Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the app today. This spring, if you'd rather spend time enjoying your lawn instead of trying to keep it alive, there's good news. True Green is the easiest and most affordable way to get a beautiful lawn. All you have to do is water and mow, and they'll do the rest. Weed control, fertilization, aeration, and even some things you might not even think of. They'll do all of it, while you can do literally anything else. With True Green, you can have your lawn looking as good as a putting green. That's not hyperbole. True Green is the official lawn care treatment provider of the PGA Tour. True Green offers a satisfaction guarantee, and they have a verified best price promise, which guarantees you the lowest price with no compromise on quality. You do you. Let True Green do your lawn care. Visit TrueGreen.com to get the best lawn at the best price with the best people guaranteed. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Byte, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte Clear Aligners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces. Plus, they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you can pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. There are nearly 20 million military vets in the U.S., and each week, we focus on their stories. This is CBS Eye on Veterans. All right, welcome back to CBS Eye on Veterans. I'm Navy vet Phil Briggs, getting to know some of the greatest veterans in the country. And uh, we'll just call this episode Book Club. Because you know I love a good veteran author. You know we've had some really, really great, great books reviewed here on this. And uh, this week, we're going to talk about the book Always Faithful, a story of the war in Afghanistan, the fall of Kabul, and the unshakable bond between a Marine and an interpreter. It is by Major Tom Schumann and his interpreter, Zach. And it's an incredible story. In August of 2021, America ended the longest war. And as the world watched the shocking scene at Kabul International Airport, Marine Major Tom Schumann fought, both behind the scenes and through a social media campaign to get his friend and former Terp, Zach, out before he and his family were discovered by the Taliban. It tracks the parallel lives of these two men who each spent their childhood in some fear and poverty and turned to war in an attempt to build a meaningful future. And uh, to talk about their lives and how they intersected there in the Hellman Valley and they formed a brotherhood, eventually culminating in Zach's harrowing 11th hour rescue. So with that intro, let's say hello to Major Tom. It's not lost on you, Tom, that I love saying that for classic rock purposes. But how the hell are you, Devil Dog? Hey, good. Good. I'm raw. Happy to be here. Well, let's get into some action adventure. Ground level view of the war in Afghanistan, some intense scenes of combat and sacrifice as you went from over eager Marine to hardened by combat. Share with me a little bit about what this book will sh- show us with some of that ground level view of fighting. Certainly the, you know, the, the scenes that happen in Afghanistan, whether it's uh, my first deployment as a platoon commander and, and singing during some of the heaviest fighting in the war, or, or when I went back as a recon JTAC guy uh, and an advisor, I, 
those are real opportunities for me to showcase some of the heroes of the war, uh, some of my personal heroes, and, and that's these men who were, were walking point through IED fields and minefields and some of our snipers and some of uh, just the grunt, this this 18-year-old enlisted grunt who um, day after day goes out into the fray and their, their stories are worth telling and th- their heroics almost become routine in the battle rhythm of, of some of this war and uh, just truly exceptional people that, that we got to fight alongside. And, and so, yeah, you, you'll get a little bit of in- insight, I think, into, uh, into some of the most kinetic action of America's longest war. Share with me how you ended up meeting your interpreter, Zach, and walk me through a little bit of the bond, the brotherhood, starting with, um, you know, you, young Marine officer, what kind of officer were you? And walk me through what it was like to go through that whole thing. Yeah, certainly aggressive. I think still an aggressive officer, but I think maybe a little bit better judgment, uh, hopefully develops over time. Uh, there's some examples in the book where uh, my judgment was not excellent and I got myself into some situations in my Marine citizen situations. We we were doing local security patrols, ambush patrols, but we were we were with the Afghan army. We were going into the villages every day, and so having an interpreter who can help facilitate uh, not only translating English to Pashto or English to Dari, but uh, help me understand the cultural nuances in the villages. Help me to understand any cultural blind spots that I might have. And so, initially, the first couple of interpreters I had quit or uh, became a liability during a firefight or didn't speak English. And, and finally, uh, after a few weeks, Zach comes on deck and he's, he's this uh, kind of healthy looking, strong young man who is 18 years old and he, he speaks English uh, really well. And he's up, he's passed to by, you know, uh, his, his upbringing. And so, yeah, r- right away, his value to the platoon, uh, I mean, it was immediate. And, and, but it, it, it over time became much more than a transactional value as someone who could just translate for me. He really became someone who fought alongside us, took the same risk that we did and became a, a brother and, and just another one of the members of the platoon throughout the course of that deployment. Yeah. You talk about the cultural connections that you can make through an interpreter. Give me an example of like something an interpreter could do when you go into a village. The The population is neutral at best, generally on the side of the Taliban. And so anything that you do when you go into someone's house to alienate them or offend them, you've maybe now, maybe they, maybe they were passively supporting the Taliban now to actively supporting the Taliban to, to, you know, letting the Taliban use their home to shoot at us or to do their resupply. And so there are certain Muslim customs and courtesies that we wanted to make sure that we adhere to and abided by. And I'm not Muslim. And I, uh, and, and, and so for Zach to help us understand those nuances and make sure that, that we were uh, properly respectful and, and kind of adhering to any of those customs and courtesies, I think helped when we were in the village, maybe not convince anyone to join our side, but also maybe to ensure that they didn't start to actively support the Taliban. And I know the book documents kind of how your point of view changed after seeing the ground level combat, after having to do mission after mission after mission. So did Zach's, his kind of perspective of seeing American soldiers, seeing war as a child, 
and then growing into becoming a man that would fight alongside you and dare risk his life. Share with me a little bit about Zach's evolution. I think that's what's one of the more interesting aspects of the book is that we hear so much about Afghanistan. We, Many of us have grown up with Afghanistan in the headlines, but all we get is the, the poverty or the war. But Afghanistan is, is a home you know, to, to many people. And you get a real pastoral view of Afghanistan with, with Zach kind of growing up in the mountains and along the river. And you get a guy who really loved this country. And, and, and you, you hear how he heard about 9-11 when he was 11 years old. His, his father was listening to a radio, BBC radio. And, and, and so to get all these perspectives insights, rather than what you usually get in a war book is, is the American tells you about what that country's like. And they spent maybe a year or two years there. And now you get a perspective from half the book is written from a perspective of someone who was born and raised in the country. And so Zach never, his motivation was never, oh, I want to go to, I want to join with America to, to go to America. Like that, like he wanted, he, he saw the Americans as uh, contributing to security, to stability, to governance, to schooling, to opportunities for girls. And he said, look, uh, th these things were never going to happen under the Taliban. And it looks like the best option for our country to, to make some progress is to work with these guys. And so that was really his motivation is, is it, is, is how can I help secure a brighter future for Afghanistan? And, and he saw what, when, when Americans came to his province and, and started to build some schools and started to build some roads and, and, the, and, and for the first time girls were able to go to school, he said, okay, like, if this is what these guys are bringing, let, let, let me, let me throw my hat in with them. And, and, uh, that's kind of that, his overall, uh, how he, he lands with us. I got to ask as somebody that's been there and knows, you know, Zach so well, like a brother, was it that they knew that the Taliban was holding them back from all these things and they wanted it? Or was it that some men and women and young men and women over there had just never experienced what it was like to go to school for women to be treated somewhat equally for people to both be employable, you know, men and women? Was it that they didn't know or was it that they knew that these Taliban guys were bogus and just holding them back, but they did never want to say anything for fear of retribution? Yeah, Zach only knew life under Taliban rule, but his father certainly had opportunities and, and knew a Afghanistan prior to, to the Taliban. And so I, I think uh, every generation, you know, there was maybe a generation removed from the Taliban oppression. And so certainly um, Zach grew up knowing that the tyranny of the Taliban was stifling and that that's not what the Afghan people want for themselves. And so he had ambitions for education outside of just the strict madrasa kind of indoctrination that, that, that the Taliban offer. And certainly his, his father instilled in him that there's a Afghanistan with greater freedoms and liberties that is worth pursuing. So I, I think many of the people know their history, know that, that Afghanistan has been a, at times that like a really kind of progressive culture and um, that it was really being stifled and oppressed through Taliban rule. And I think you'll get that through Zach's chapters in the book. Wow, that's wild. And especially for all the veterans out there that have given so much in support of our brothers and sisters in Afghanistan. Um, it's crazy to think that like of a certain age group, you wouldn't know life in Afghanistan without Taliban, but your parents' generation would have remembered a freer, more open society where you could have a job. You could go to school no matter what you were, no matter where you lived. And um, 
Do you think the majority of the country men there were just like these Taliban people are so evil? We're just not going to try to start static with them and let them rule their own tyrannical way and endure it and maybe hope to get out one day. You have to look at your hierarchy of needs and like security and safety are, are the first one. And so these aren't empty threats that the Taliban make, you know, if a woman goes out and without a, a, a veil and burqa, like, and without the escort of her husband, she's going to get beaten. And, you know, uh, and, and so if you got caught playing music or didn't have a beard, like you, you were going to be maybe beaten and killed. And so like these, these are an empty threat. I, I think people were definitely just under the thumb of, it, of the Taliban. And but what's also interesting though is that you'll have a generation of Afghans now who from probably about 2005 to 2020 who grew up with opportunities again. Uh, even in places like Helmand, the girls were back in school and, and there was, you didn't have to have a beard and you could listen to music. And so you'll, you'll have a generation again who will remember. But now we're back into, unfortunately, times where people are extremely uh, oppressed again. As you, you know, talk to Zach about so many things at great length, is he hopeful that maybe one day the Afghanis will rise up and be like, look, we're sick of these jerks and this tyrannical rule. We got a taste of it for, you know, a little over a decade or almost two decades there with the American forces here. Does he have hope that one day the younger members of this generation that had that glimpse of freedom are going to stand up and be like, forget this. We're taking you on and we're going to fight back. Yeah, I, I think what he would say is that the the governance or lack thereof of the Taliban is so horrible right now with, with just the abject poverty and starvation and no medical care that the the seeds of revolution are, are there when, when your government can't provide you any basic services, you might say like well maybe i should get a different government and so i haven't i haven't necessarily heard him speculate on that but i have i mean his brothers and sisters are still there his mom and dad are still there and 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 the status of the the country is just tragic right now and so i I don't know what their tolerance or willingness to continue to accept something like that but they're resilient and tough people All right, just want to uh, take a minute here and uh, talk about our sponsor, University of Maryland Global Campus, and uh, thank them for making this show possible, this podcast possible for so many years now. And they've got an event later in October, just want to highlight, called the Virtual Fund Run Challenge. It's a virtual run, and it raises money for the Veteran Assistance Fund. Uh, That fund specifically helps student veterans pay for their education when federal financial aid and VA benefits are either unavailable or exhausted. Now to raise money, it's easy. You just spend your $35 registration fee and that money is then given to the Veterans Assistance Fund and then you are off to the races. Run, walk, you can log your miles, uh, you can interact socially and you can see what everybody else is doing. Uh, Show off a little bit if you must. 
But either way, the UMGC virtual fund run gives to a good cause. And it's always good to see a school supporting military veterans like University of Maryland Global Campus does. Check it all out at umgc.edu slash fund run. Again, we're talking about the book Always Faithful, a story of the war in Afghanistan, the fall of Kabul, and the unshakable bond between a Marine and an interpreter. And uh, Major Tom Schumann, great Marine officer. Walk me through some of the highlights that we'll get into with this book with the escape, with the days leading up to his, you know, to Zach being able to finally get out. It was harrowing, to say the least. Yeah, and uh, Zach had started to apply for a visa in 2016. Uh, again, Zach never wanted to go to America. He wanted to grow up and raise his family in his province. But it became to the point where he had been poisoned. He was under constant persecution. He could no longer leave his home. He couldn't work. He was receiving uh, death threats constantly. And he said, well, this is, you know, unfortunately, I, I cannot live like this. I have to, I have to take up this visa program, which is, we, we created this visa program specifically for people like Zach, who were being persecuted because they served alongside their U.S. allies. And so Zach met all the criteria and eligibility requirements for this visa, but because of some red tape, we can never, we spent you know five years applying, getting rejections, and could never overcome some of the bureaucracy of this, this visa application. Well, when the president announced that we were leaving Afghanistan in April 2021, I said, what, what's going to happen if there's you know, if the Taliban comes back, there's no U.S. forces. And Zach said, I'll be I'll be killed, certainly. And my family will be killed. And so that's when we really kind of earnestly went to work about getting him and his family out. And we still were going to try to work through the process. So Zach goes from his province in Kunar to Kabul. And then uh, I knew some Marines on the ground there. And so we tried to get his family out twice uh, through some Marine points of contact that I had that were working security at the gates. And both times, the situation deteriorated as his family arrived at the airport and Taliban shooting in the crowds and, and children getting trampled. And both times, very close calls with his own children almost getting killed and, and has to leave the airport twice. And then on a third attempt, I knew a uh, Marine pilot who had done a transfer to the Air Force. He was on the ground there and he was in the operations center and I was able to make a phone, well, not a phone call, but I sent him a message and, and he has to jump the gate and it's all very, uh, just touch and go and extremely risky and extremely dangerous. And after three attempts, we were able to get Zach and his family out. Never through the system. It was through the personal initiative of a friend of mine who kind of broke some orders and jumped the fence and went and grabbed my friend Zach and his family. And, uh, but yeah, extremely harrowing. And, uh, and the entire thing was nerve wracking. Amazing. And I've heard some similar stories. Again, there's an incredible army veteran out there with no one left behind, uh, Matt Zeller, and he's out there advocating right now to bring about legislation to ensure that we can bring home more or bring to our country more of our Afghan allies. Um, how do you feel about our government's performance? whether or not you want to pin it on a single administration or whether you just want to say State Department as a whole. But, I mean, how do you grade us or what are your feelings about the U.S. government's withdrawal? I'm still active duty. So I, I think, you know, people can make their observations of what happened last year and, and draw their own conclusions. I, I will say that um, what we must do collectively as a society, as a government, as a DOD, as a DOS, is look at 
what happened in Afghanistan and say, what lessons can be learned? And, and how can we make sure that we don't make those mistakes again? We have the duty to at least really take a hard look and examine if there are failures, where did they originate? And how can we make sure that we never repeat them? Like that, that's what we have to do. And then, uh, you know, I am not, uh, I, there, there's no need for me to kind of talk higher strategy level stuff where I, my, my experience is the tactical level. And I can talk tactically you know, right up until the end, like tactically, we were winning our battles. Like we won the battle in Sangin. And and tactically, these Marines from 2-1 and 1-8, they were out there at the Abbey Gate, uh, at the airport security around Hkaya. It was incredible what these young men and women, 18-year-old Marines and soldiers did right up until the end in that war. And and, and they, they were given an impossible task and they held the line and, and 13 of them gave their lives doing it. And so I want to highlight that tactically, the 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 young enlisted soldiers, sailor, airmen, and marine were there into the end and doing the best they could uh, with the mission that they were given. And I don't, I I keep forgetting your active duty major, so I don't mean to get you into a discussion about your opinions because I realize uh, certainly with active duty status, you uh you know you don't make too many broad brushed comments about political affairs or about issues, uh, but I know in your heart after even writing this book it had to be frustrating knowing that your brother and his family were there and you, you were felt so handicapped by bureaucracy, by the, by the fundamental flow and that hoping an after action report reveals lessons that we could do better um, is optimistic. Uh, Cause I know that they didn't read the damn one after Vietnam, the state department clearly took no lessons from the 1970s and this, this NEO just couldn't have, you know, gone worse in my estimation from here in the cheap seats. But, uh, uh, the bonds that were forged really are priceless. And, uh, if I could just ask real quick, what was one moment when you just knew that your interpreter was going to be way more than a colleague, but, but that this would be a lifelong friend? We were heading into a village and Zach was monitoring the Taliban radio and, and he could hear that they were about to start a, an ambush. And he's telling me, Hey, we got to hurry up. We got to hurry up. And or we're going to get caught in this ambush. But there's a young 18 year old engineer sweeping for mines up in the front of the patrol. And you, you, you really can't ask that guy to walk any faster than he's comfortable with. And, uh, Zach said, well, this is going to take too long. And so he took off through what we knew was a active minefield and went and found the Taliban commander. He was able to correlate where he was coordinating this ambush and went in and tackled him and detained him until we got there with no, no rifle with anything. And, and so that's not someone who's there just to translate. That's not someone who's just an interpreter. That's someone who's, who's there fighting alongside us. And he really just became one of us, uh, a guy who was willing to take the fight to the enemy to share the same kind of risks. And uh, there's several examples in the book like that, where Zach really went above and beyond his duties. And we've developed that kind of brotherhood Marine mentality. Absolutely love it. The war stories I've read that are written by Marines are so vivid and so good. Your book, I put right up there with like Echo and Ramadi and some of the other ones that I've read over the years, uh, some inspiration at the end, because it is the story of the unbreakable bond between you and your interpreter. Um, if you had to give the book a moral of the story or one of the solid takeaways I'll have about life after reading this book, what is it? Yeah, that always faithful uh, or semper fidelis in, in marine terms in Latin, you know, it, you, you've got to put the emphasis on the always or the semper. 
you know, it's easy to be faithful sometimes. It's easy to be faithful most of the times. What what makes what what makes always faithful more than just a motto or just some hollow words is, is the actions that you that drive you to to maintain that always. It's it's so easy to be faithful or committed to something when all the conditions are great and it's sunny and everything. It's what's what's unique about the Marines is that, you know, we're no better friend, no worse enemy in, in any and all situations and, and kind of that that commitment um that we make. And so we've got to keep our promises, we've got to live up to our motto of, of being always faithful. So well captured in the book, Always Faithful, a story of the war in Afghanistan, the fall of Kabul and the unshakable bond between a Marine and an interpreter authored by Major Tom Schumann and his interpreter, Zach. Zanula Zaki. Zanula Zaki and Major Tom Schumann. Your your definition of Marine, I can feel here through the Zoom call, a sense of loyalty, a sense of honor and a sense of courage that uh, is truly remarkable. So captured so well in this book. I can't thank you enough, Major. Thank you. Hey, Prime members, you can listen to Ion Veterans ad-free on Amazon Music. Download the Amazon Music app today. Or you can listen ad-free with Wondery Plus in Apple Podcasts. Before you go, tell us about yourself by completing a short survey at Wondery.com survey. Get one of the most successful broadcasts in television history on your schedule with the 60 Minutes Podcast. Hard-hitting investigative reports, news, and culture maker interviews and in-depth profiles are waiting for you in every episode. Listen to 60 Minutes ad-free on Wondery Plus. The Hargan women seemed to have it all. We were blessed. My mom was amazing. But detectives would soon discover... Inside the house, there were the bodies of two women. A story of betrayal you would struggle to believe if it wasn't true. I am just praying to God, this is a sick joke. From 48 Hours, this is Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings. Listen to Blood is Thicker, the Hargan family killings, starting May 8th, wherever you get your podcasts.